Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Tantra's Mantra where we go behind and beyond the tech news headlines. I'm your host Prakash Sangam, founder and principal at Tantra Analyst. Today we will discuss a subject which has seen wild swings of a hype cycle. Uh, not too long ago, it was a favorite subject of every tech marketer out there. It was an answer to any future technology questions out there. But that's no longer the case. Yes, we are talking about metaverse. But more importantly, the technology that enables metaverse, you know, XR, VR, AR, MR, whatever you want to call it. In my view, the recent bursting of metaverse bubble was a good thing. That actually enabled the industry to focus on real applications, real use cases, and solve real challenges, improve user experience, and make money for the whole ecosystem rather than just talking hyperbole. So as you might know, XR technology is still a niche, but has made major strides in in terms of technology development, content development, use cases, and so on. There are a good number of headsets out there in the market today. Uh, the form factors are improving. I know the, the initial uh, devices were bricks on your faces, but now they've become really elegant and lightweight and so on. And they're thinner as well. And the resolution is improving. Battery life is extending and so on. I was at a Mobile World Congress recently and saw really cool uh, prototypes of you know, futuristic or future headsets, which are very light and thin. Uh, not, of course, very close to the actual glasses people wear, but uh, much nicer and much lighter and much cooler form factors, I would say. The rumors that Apple is ready to jump onto the bandwagon, the rumor will says they will announce uh, their own XR headset at their uh, developer conference uh, in June this year. I think that will be a very pivotal moment for the whole industry and uh, probably provide good dose of reality and could be a shot in the arm for realistic development of use cases and applications and so on. To discuss all of this, uh, we have a great uh, guest with us today who's been in this industry for a very long time, and that is Thomas Dexmere, HTC Vive Country Manager for Australia and New Zealand. Hey, Thomas, welcome to the show. Thanks, Prakash. Uh, good afternoon. I, uh, thanks for having me. Very well. Welcome to the show again. And also congratulations on the launch of HTC's latest XR Elite headset. I checked it out at CES and Mobile World Congress. It indeed is really impressive. And I think the market response has been pretty good as well, right? I see a lot of good reviews on social media and so on. I'm looking forward to getting my own review in it soon and you know, probably write on, uh, on its performance and how usable it is and so on. But again, congratulations. Thank you very much. Uh, we had a very interesting couple of months uh, behind us with the announcement at CES mm -hmm. and obviously putting it in front of our partners and customers at MWC with more use cases, with more applications. Uh, and we can't wait to see what our developer partners and, and customers are going to be using it for. Very well. So let's get started with uh, questions. Let's start with some introductions. We know HTC as a pioneer of uh, smartphones and um, I'm assuming you worked on it as well from you know, 3G, 4G days. And I would love to hear your transition from that to XR world and how your journey been in HTC. Yeah, sure. I, I joined HTC a bit over 12 years ago. 
I'm an engineer, an engineer that moved to product marketing, mm -hmm. to then sales and marketing. And back at that time, we were still talking smartphones and, and obviously mobile technologies. Mm -hmm. Then to sales marketing and now in charge of the Australia New Zealand market for HTC Vive. Mm -hmm. um, in 2016, we kind of had to reinvent ourselves and mm -hmm. You know, start thinking about what would the future look like for us, knowing that the smartphones market was not, you know, sustainable based on what the uh, big giants were doing to um, promote the, the use of their brand new smartphones and flagships. And it was, it was becoming a very crowded space. Mm -hmm. And the vision that our CEO always had and, and our CEO and President Cher Wong had for the company was that at some point, mm -hmm. Uh, mobile technologies and immersive technologies will come together and, and become one. So whilst we've continued to work uh, intensively on mobility and, and mobile solutions in the background, mm -hmm. we decided to launch the original Vive, um, OG Vive, in 2016. And now, obviously, fast forward to 2023, there's been a number of uh, changes and improvements mm -hmm. uh, and you know ma major strides, as, as you described before, in the tech my main focus is obviously on XR devices, but I also drive the other products that we have in our range mm -hmm. from our metaverse vision called Viverse, um, our content creation solution called uh, Mask Amtrak that targets you know, indie studios and the up and coming content creators that want to produce uh, three-dimensional content for the metaverse. Mm -hmm. And last but not least, uh, our connectivity products with our private 5G uh, network called she rhymes very well uh, quite a lot of products that you look at we'll we'll uh, focus this on lastly the xr market and uh, the xr elite headset and maybe you can come back and can talk about the other enablers that you have to make xr usable across the industry and consumer space right so sure so, so lots of things happening uh, in the world of xr you know, with the Metaverse project being slowed down by Meta, Microsoft is significantly curtailing its HoloLens project and so on. So, you know, among all of these things, where do you think XR is today? You know, if you are referring to, for example, the uh, famous Gartner hype cycle, I think it is between the second and the third phases, which is you know, a peak of inflated expectations, which which basically came up with the in a huge upsurge in terms of interest in metaverse and so on and the trough of disillusionment where people think oh it's all hype nothing there it's somewhere in between what do you think look if, if we talk about metaverse mm -hmm. i would probably agree with you if we talk about the xr world and the hardware and the different platforms that are kind of fueling the xr world mm -hmm. let's not forget that we've been in that game for eight years now so you know, 2016 is when we all started off. Uh, we saw a massive drive and demand for uh, application in XR. And back in the days, it was still VR, so just virtual reality Correct. Um, across consumers, but more importantly, commercial applications. So I think it peaked actually quite uh, quickly. Mm -hmm. And then if you remember, not so long ago, we started to hear things like, you know, VR is dead. VR is a bit of a dud. Mm -hmm. VR is not going to happen. What is the next compute platform? Yada, yada. I think that's when we started to kind of decline a little bit. But then something happened in this world called COVID. And I think what that pandemic did for XR is that obviously it was it was mm -hmm. terrible, but it created a whole bunch of new opportunities, which to me, 
make me believe that we are now past the through of disillusionment and we are moving upwards towards the next phase of certainly seeing us on a very slight slope of enlightenment, which is when, you know, you've gone past the hype, mm-hmm. uh, people kind of, you know, get a little bit sick of it and then it starts over again. So if I look at it from the holistic XR world, that's where I'd think, uh, and I'd like to think we're at that point where we've kind of passed the, the rock bottom and we're ready to bounce again. Mm-hmm. Um, as you said, there's uh, major players that are talking about it, that are investing in it. There's more and more good quality headsets out there. The technology improvements has been massive, and I'm sure we'll talk about what we've done in that space to make it more accessible and remove as many barriers to entry as possible. But certainly COVID, I think, has actually fueled a whole bunch of applications that make me believe and very, uh, very optimistically think that we are on we, we are past that through of disillusionment and we are ready to uh, ready to bounce back. Very well. So uh, talking about use cases, some of the things that you have seen traction on, real commercial traction that people are spending money on, mm-hmm. you know, between enterprise and consumer. Some of, what are some of the things that you've been working on and seeing a lot of traction? Yes, it's, it's a great question because we all know that this whole thing started off as a consumer product, but then really quickly evolved into a commercial application. So all industries today, Prakash, all industries from education to small and medium businesses to the large corporate organization, they are all seriously considering XR for their uh, digital transformation. Mm-hmm. It's, it's probably fair to say that some are more advanced than others, uh, but just to name a few we see a lot of traction in uh, defense and government agencies, mm-hmm. a lot of traction in architecture, engineering and construction. Mm-hmm. In my part of the world, uh, heavy industry like mining is absolutely huge. And I would say if I p- had to pick a fourth one, uh, healthcare is where we see uh, you know massive demand and, 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 and they we're kind of lagging behind a little bit for a few different reasons, but it looks like healthcare is, is, is kind of catching up because we are bringing them the solutions that they were hoping for. Mm-hmm. And so they mainly use it for a few different things. And again, this is just a common factor across all industries. Four key areas where they uh, use XR. The first one is design. So how do you actually use these immersive technologies to bring uh, 3D models and 3D environments to life. Mm-hmm. Um, number two would be remote collaboration. The back of the pandemic, we've all changed the way we work, the way we engage with our peers, the way we brainstorm, the way we socialize. So remote collaboration is something that XR can actually uh, enhance. Third one is your location-based experiences. So mm-hmm. um, people getting together in a uh, physical environment to have multiplayer, multi-user virtual reality experiences. And the biggest by far, number four, is anything to do with training, simulation, and safety. In the workplace, we've seen a number of stats and facts proving that learning in XR is you know, four times faster than learning in the traditional role play or e-learning module. People are 275% more confident when they learn by doing in an XR environment. Mm-hmm. They're much more emotionally connected with the content. And as the Yale School of Medicine would suggest, surgeons that have been trained in VR mm-hmm. Make six times fewer, six times, it's huge, right? Six times fewer errors than the ones that haven't uh, experienced VR before. So mm-hmm. it's crazy. I mean, this is the, the breadth of application and the range of industries that are looking into this is absolutely phenomenal. But um, yeah, that, that's for, that's for commercial, but let's not forget the consumer part of the, of the, of the world where 
whilst we still believe that the gaming audience remains the biggest driver of XR hardware sales, realistically, in 2023, uh -huh. there's a uh, shift, there's a big shift towards uh -huh. other and more mainstream audience thanks to applications like fitness, travel, mm -hmm. self-awareness, education. So the product is, is, is progressively becoming more of a, of a family slash entertainment device and not just a AAA gaming uh, platform. Okay. Yeah, I mean, training, I think it's kind of has proven itself. Like given corporate training, I see a lot of uh, companies use it for, you know, cost efficiency reasons one for sure instead of mm -hmm. bringing people into physical uh, training facilities with all they, they can do a lot of it is virtually and of course uh, the knowledge attainment based on a vr training is much better than actual classroom training and so on so there are tangible benefits to it and some of them the the ones you mentioned which are really impressive as well so i think training i think is by far pretty successful uh, use case i would say and yeah and in uh, consumers i think gaming all others i'm, I'm still seeing yes you know yep. slow uptake but gaming has been the the bread and butter of it and that continues to grow that's interesting no so and and uh, in in the same same uh, segments and enterprise and consumer what are some of the challenges that you're seeing uh, that are you know inhibiting xr attain its full potential Oh, man, our, our days are made of, you know, challenges. And, and the, the thing that's kind of sets us apart at HTC Vive is that we, we listen to our customers' feedback. We've been in this game for a long time. Mm -hmm. And our values are always very much, you know, customer-centric and taking, actively listening to what our customers want, whether they're consumers or they're, you know, commercial. Mm -hmm. So we've worked relentlessly to remove as many barriers to entry as possible because we know there's lots of them. Mm -hmm. uh, but say from cutting the cord to a PC and going full wireless to developing a comprehensive suite of enterprise solutions to support uh, and facilitate de deployment at scale. But there are still, as you said, a number of factors uh, that are still a hindrance to, uh, I'd say, mass adoption. And the first one is cost, you know, the cost of the hardware. Mm -hmm. it's, it's very true, actually, in consumer edu education. Less so to an extent in the corporate world, but Correct. Uh, because, as you said before, the return on investment on the actual cost of hardware and enterprise solutions far exceeds the cost of you know flying people in and out, relying on, on livestock, you know, burning down some cars for fire, you know, firefighting simulations and whatnot. So okay. the, the the return on investment in corporate is is easier to justify than in other sectors. Mm -hmm. The other one is obviously content, right? So this is becoming a content play where maybe there's not enough of it, or enough of it, or people sometimes may find it hard to find. So as an industry, we need to continue to make it easier for our B two B audience specifically to get access to cust to custom uh, XR content. Mm -hmm. Some of them, and the biggest, uh, the ones that are the most advanced, have. XR specialists uh, in-house. They have the ability to develop their own modules and their own training uh, capabilities with, you know, integration to their learning and, and uh, management, uh, learning management systems, LMS platforms. Uh, others still rely on external studios, which, again, this is probably something that we continue to invest in and make it easier for commercial clients to get access to content. Some of the things that you showed at Mobile Congress, right? The the studio, 
and the other tools uh, mm-hmm. for people to create content. I think that's great. And the platform that you have for enterprises, uh, I think uh, th- that's pretty interesting as well. I think that would go a long way in, uh, in helping uh, companies create content. And uh, switching uh, gears a little bit, you know, XR was one of the main use cases for using 5G apart from mobile broadband. Uh, that's kind of uh, taken some uh, some kind of a hit, but I think still uh, cellular and 5G in particular has a huge role to play in XR. Uh, and of course, cellular operators as well as the private networks have a role to play. So what is your view on that? I, I, I truly agree with that. And we certainly want to continue to establish HTC Vive as the partner of choice for telcos to realize that the value in their 5G network and the, the, the billions of dollars that they've invested in networks can be realized with immersive technology, you know, one way or another, whether we're changing, you know, consumers or enterprise. Mm-hmm. We kind of saw the evolution from commercial customers using their VR headsets offline. Uh, they moved towards a and kind of an unsafe relatively unsecure, bit reluctant of using devices online, but they had no other choice for, you know, pushing new applications to their headset, do their device management, do mm-hmm. LMS integration, do their firmware updates and everything. And and for that, Wi-Fi was and still is just fine. But the next step is to go from Wi-Fi to 5G because with 5G, you get uh, obviously mobility, you get access to licensed spectrum, you get... Um, access to a secure uh, spectrum, which, you know, we can't say the exact same with, with Wi-Fi. So mm-hmm. uh, basically the end game is for these networks to enable um, ex- experiences where you can remotely render large files that you would stream from the 5G network without having to start load assets um, and sometimes in most cases confidential assets, you know, 3D maps and plans and Correct. CAD designs and whatnot. So not sideloading these to devices, bit devices mm-hmm. can be lost or stolen. So they get a greater control as an end user and as IT managers and admins as to how their workforce does actually get access to the content. Mm-hmm. Today we can see, and, and this is something that we've been talking you know, openly with our telco partners across the globe, there's a lot of experimentation with cloud streaming, uh, remote rendering. There's ways now to do have a, a much better distribution of the compute power. Right now, the compute power is all on the headset. If we talk about a standalone headset that has its own GPU, its own CPU, its own battery and everything. Mm-hmm. But today we do all the rendering and everything, all the processing of the information on the HMD, so on the headset. But tomorrow with 5G, we will be rendering all that stuff at the edge of your 5G network. Mm-hmm which in turn will have a great impact on the industrial design of our products because you can start you know, stripping out your, your GPU and your CPUs and in turn, the headset becomes smaller and sleeker and you know, better to use and, and you know, even more, more affordable because you know, that's how you drive costs, uh, costs down by shifting all the uh, expensive uh, components towards mm-hmm. the network. So yeah, cellular networks and 5G specifically have a massive role to play uh, in not just the quality of the experience that we deliver to our headsets, but uh, the taking the adoption from where it is today to mass adoption and mainstream adoption. 
Well, so are you working on any specific project with any operators? You don't have to name the names, but are there any active projects happening to basically bring this vision to reality or is it still uh, at a conceptual stage? Mm, at, at our level, and I wouldn't be talking on behalf of my colleagues in Europe and North America, but at, at our level here in Australia, New Zealand, there's a lot of, uh, we're still at a POC, so proof of concept, mm-hmm. um, because as you know, it's a, it's a, it's a value chain, you know, between the headset and the core of the network where there's a lot of players involved. Correct. However, where we can deliver uh, an outstanding experience, and I'm sure you've seen it in Barcelona, mm-hmm. was uh, and is when we use our very own private 5G network solutions with our headsets. And we've been able to demonstrate, you know, remote rendering of car designs with, you know, a multi-user environment, all with connected to our private 5G network through a 5G MBB headset or 5G, sorry, MBB device, as well as being in a multi-user environment. So latency is absolutely critical. Bandwidth, yeah, to an extent, but where 5G delivers, mm-hmm. you know, the next level is, is taking your latency down to your, you know, 15, 10 milliseconds to ensure uh, the quality of the tracking and the quality of the visual in the, uh, in the immersion. So I'm, I'm looking forward to some of these applications move from the concept to actual least some initial deployments where people are really using it uh, for real work right so moving on to your uh, xr elite headset i mean as i said it, it was pretty impressive i mean how uh, has been the uh, the feedback from the industry and your early customers so far thanks for your very kind words uh, the xr elite is our most ambitious xr headset to date and the response has been you know absolutely outstanding you know feedback we've had so far since we announced at ces is, is brilliant you know with people rating our pass through as you know best in the market mm-hmm. and, and and obviously praising our initial design because for the first time you get people put on a vr headset and say wow it is so light it's usually the first reaction, yeah? Correct, yeah. Um, they see it, it's, it's beautiful and it's gorgeous and it's, it's very sleek and sexy. And then they, they hold it and they're like, wow, it feels extremely well balanced. And then they put it on, turn it on, and it's like, wow, the visuals are amazing. So I think we've kind of nailed the brief in terms of what consumers want in 2023. Very versatile, it's compact, it's lightweight, as you, as you described before. It's very stylish but with no compromise on performance whatsoever. So mm-hmm. the beauty is that it is a modular product that you can use as a full kit with battery, or you can use it in glasses mode. And in this mode, it actually only weighs 273 grams, which is just just above the weight of my um, right. flagship smartphone with a case on it, uh, which is yeah unreal. You can use it as a standalone headset or as a PC VR. And of course, you can use it as a VR headset for fully uh, virtualized experiences, mm-hmm. as well as mixed reality, uh, which for the first time allows the user to kind of blend their physical environment with their uh, virtual world um, and, and open up a, a host of new opportunities and, uh, and experiences, whether we're talking consumers or enterprise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. It's a good mix. I mean, uh, and it's at the right price point, I would say. I mean, it's a little bit expensive for consumer uh, side, but, uh, you know, but somebody looking for a premium experience, you know, it's not that bad. And for for enterprise, I think it's perfect. Yeah. 
Let me make let me make a quick comment if you, if you don't mind on this. But yeah, price point is always is always interesting. You you understand mm. the value of the product. You understand you know all the punch that it does actually pack, and you understand that we are mm. the best way to describe it is that we truly respect our users' privacy, right? And put it this way, we are not in a business model whereby we monetize your customer data, which is how some of our competitors do manage to over subsidize the hardware and make it virtually virtually more affordable mm-hmm. and for us uh, our customer is not the product our product is the product mm-hmm. privacy is our priority and that's how we get to a price point of you know 10.99 so us dollars 1099 dollars uh, it is htc vive once again focusing on deliver delivering the best possible hardware that people would put on and forget and the minute they put it on they forget the tech and they focus 100% on the on the experience. So I just wanted to you just put it out there so people and, and some consumers start to realize it. Enterprise yeah. clients do get it because you know user data privacy and and uh, confidentiality of information and everything is absolutely paramount for them. So it's 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 ranked really really high in their criteria when they shop around for XR headsets. Um, some consumer starts to realize all that, and there's obviously a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of press at the moment around you know what's happening in that space. So be aware, you know, this is my only uh, my only advice to to the listeners: be aware when you buy a VR or XR headset, read the fine print, and make sure you 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 know what you're in for. But with us, we are not collecting data; we are not selling your personal data. Mm-hmm. The only data that we occasionally collect with your approval and, and full acknowledgement is uh, usage data for diagnostics when you've got an issue. So if, if people report, you know, tech issues or glitches with the product, then we have the ability to mm. get access to some system logs. But that's only with the approval of the customer and only when we need to debug and diagnose a potential and troubleshoot a potential issue. That's all. Okay, cool. Thanks for the clarification. Okay, and uh, in terms of uh, whatever initial feedback on XR Elite, you think uh, your users or your customers are using for similar use cases that they had used your previous uh, headsets before, or is there anything different here with XR Elite? Um, look, there, w- there will be you know, different type of customers. The first ones would be the, the, the existing HTC Vive customers that, have been waiting that long to upgrade from their OG Vive. So if you remember, it involves, you know, base stations and cables everywhere. Right. Uh, so upgrade from their existing PCVR setup to, to the XR Elite. So in, in that sense, you know, we expect expecting the same, you know, similar type of, of use case. But basically last year we tackled the B2B market with the Focus 3. I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure you've tried the Focus 3. Yeah. Um, and XR Elite is taking the very best of Focus 3 and we crunch it down in a very sleek, consumer-friendly form factor. So, you know, you know, to a degree, it will be a very different uh, product to, you know, the, pro- the previous offerings as it does open new opportunities with the mixed reality components, right? So the pass-through capabilities, mm-hmm. as I said before, will open brand new ways for people to consume and, and, and immerse themselves in virtual worlds. We're already seeing a, a huge demand from developers and you know, partners that want to start either porting existing content to the XR Elite mm-hmm. because they, 
love the form factor and they want to be part of the, the XRLE journey. But others are coming with new concepts that is either about putting a bit of a mixed reality twist to a VR classic content. So something that's been out there for a while, but they were kind of waiting for the next uh, technology breakthrough to give that context content, sorry, the, the, an extra little kick or people that are coming, you know, developers that are now coming and their mind has been pinning with, okay, there's so much we could do with access to high quality pass through. It's a much safer environment for people to, you know, the, the, the transition from your physical world to your virtual world mm -hmm. is much more seamless now. So it will actually open up to a, a much broader audience where people feel safer and more confident. And I'm specifically thinking here about kids. I've got young children, oh. six and nine. VR for me up until now was about, you know, grabbing them by the waist and making sure that they always stay at the middle of the play area. Otherwise they get tricked and they just, you know, bounce against walls and they, 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 they trip and, and whatnot. Now with XR Elite, the fact that they can actually enjoy a bit of a game mm -hmm. or w whatever experience they're doing, but still seeing their surroundings is obviously peace of mind for me. Uh, and something that they feel much more, you know, safer and much more confident uh, in that space. So we think, and this is why, you know, back to the point we were making about the the, um, the Gartner hype conversation we had before. I'm, I'm thinking that things like this is what the XR industry and market was kind of waiting for to give it the next kick and uh, trend upwards again. Very well. So uh, let's switch gears again. So. This rumor, which I think is a little bit more certain than a rumor, I would say, of mm -hmm. Apple uh, bringing its own uh, headset uh, sometime mid this year. What is your view on it? I think it should be positive for the whole industry as such, yes. right? Because usually yes. Apple kickstart the whole segment itself and puts in a higher gear. It is uh, about time that we welcome some very healthy competition in this game. So, I, I, you know, I can't. Couldn't agree more with what, we, with what you said. We don't see that as a threat. We see this as an opportunity for uh, the XR world to get more awareness. We, we've seen what they've done, you know, Apple for the smartphones industry. And if they do to the XR industry what they've done to the smartphones industry, I mean, happy days, right? The more the merrier, you know, good stories for uh, the ability that they have to convert a very technical product into a uh, story that virtually anybody in this world can identify themselves with and, and picture themselves using the gear and give them the aspiration to dream. Only Apple is capable of that. So we can't wait to, you know, welcoming them to the, to the bandwagon uh, as to when and what it is. Well, future will tell. I think we all have our very own views on on what it is but what i think is is great uh, when it comes to apple launching new products like this it's that if they're doing it that means that they truly believe in uh, the opportunities that xr does represent um, so it proves to us htc vive that we've been doing the right things for the likes the last eight years we've been betting on the right horse and again, yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a proof that we've been doing the right thing yeah. uh, if, if Apple comes to the party, if and when. So, yeah, ho hopefully 2023. Uh, we, we can't wait, really. We, we really can't wait. Yeah, cool. So it kind of validates the whole concept itself. That's it's cool. Okay, so, yes. yeah, um, 
and we're talking about the future. So where do you see XR market uh, going in next five years? So for example, if, if we are to meet on a podcast like this, hopefully on mine in say 2028, where do you think uh, the market will be and what are the things you think we'll be discussing? Well, I think we will be probably having this podcast in XR, right? Rather than having it and, you know, mocking around with our Bluetooth settings on our laptops. Uh, we will all probably be connected to 5G. 5G would be ubiquitous. Uh, at that point in time, we'd probably be even talking 6G. Uh, HMDs, so head mounted devices, sorry for the acronym, it's a bit of a tech jargon, but headsets uh, will be mm-hmm. proper glasses, you know, with amazing tracking capabilities powered by 5G networks for content streaming. Therefore, the cost of hardware will have come down significantly. I think everybody will have been exposed to immersive tech in you know, developed markets specifically, whether it's at school, at work, or at home. Mm-hmm. The younger generation, for me, uh, you know, is, is obviously attracted to, to technology and innovation, and they will embrace it better than, and more, a bit more involved than anyone else. So they will very likely live in the metaverse. What is the actual definition of the metaverse by then? It's pretty hard to say, but hopefully with a healthy balance of digital and real-life social interactions. Pretty sure that we will watch sports and live entertainment and ways to connect with our peers and friends across the globe, no matter where they are, uh, in uh, immersive three-dimensional environments. And we'll be looking back to you know, that conversation we're having in 2023, saying, hey, back in the days, you know, there was no Apple headset in the market. And HTC was launching their first XR Elite. And, and um, yeah, hopefully it will be good memories and, uh, and, and we will look back in tracks thinking, you know, we've, we, we've done the right thing for humanity. As you said before, the metaverse bubble is kind of bursting, which, which is good to an extent. Hopefully the decision that, you know, the industry will make collectively in terms of what are the priorities, what should it look like, is HTC's vision of uh, breaking it down in smaller chunks that are easier to digest and easier to implement in terms of content creation, content distribution, and content consumption. Is it the right strategy and is it going to pay off? We will talk about it in five years. But yeah, the vision, the outlook is very bright and you can count on HTC Vive to continuously challenge the status quo and and uh, you know listen to what our end users want. And um, that's what's critical to us. Yeah, make sure that we 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 respond to a need and and help humanity better communicate uh, and and you know live better together. Excellent, Thomas. It was really great chatting with you on this. Uh, we can talk all day long, but still have not covered all the aspects. Mm-hmm. Right, it's a very rich subject. Thank you again for all of your insights. Indeed, it will be interesting to see how XR uh, market grows, especially with. Uh, Apple Sentry. Again, thank you for coming over to the show. Really enjoyed the conversation. Likewise, terrific. Thank you very much for having me, Prakash, and um, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. So, folks, that's all for now. Hope you found the discussion informative and useful. If so, please hit like and subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you are listening this on. I'll be back very soon with the next episode, putting light on another exciting tech subject. Bye-bye for now.